You're listening to the audio program, Host and Guest, hosted by me, Rick Katchke. Now here's myself, Rick Katchke. Yes, welcome to Host and Guest. I'm your host, Rick Katchke, and on today's show, I am joined by Semisonic's Dan Wilson. Now, if you know me at all, you know that I'm a huge Semisonic fan. In fact, it might be one of my defining traits, but the truth is they were the first band I got into after the Beatles, so I hold them in the highest regard. It's been my honor to interact with Dan, John Munson, and Jake Schlichter over the years and really experience their kindness firsthand. In fact, in 2008, my wife and I went to see Semisonic and ended up backstage with the band after the show, and that experience really gave me the boost of confidence to start host and guest. So I, I took that confidence, and a couple weeks later, I started this show. So who knows, without them, if, if this podcast would even exist. Now, I spoke with Dan at an amazing time, as Semisonic is in the midst of the last Summer on Earth tour with the Bare Naked Ladies that will be coming to Milwaukee this Wednesday, June 7th. In addition to that, Semisonic also just released two new songs, A Little Bit of Sun and Grow Your Own, which is their first new music since the You're Not Alone EP. I talked with Dan about the new music, what it's like for the band to go on their first tour in 20 years, and his memories of playing Milwaukee over his career. But before we get to the interview, here's a bit of the new Semisonic song, Grow Your Own. And now I listen to that rock and roll music Remember how I felt Welcome to Host and Guest. We're joined today by Semisonic's Dan Wilson. And it's a big day, Dan, because it is a release day for new Semisonic music. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I've forgotten about it waking up this morning. But yes, yeah, it's exciting. So A Little Bit of Sun and Grow Your Own are the two new Semisonic songs. Uh, how did these come to be? What's kind of the background of the new songs? Let's see. Like, Little Bit of Sun was one of those songs that just kind of popped out. I, I, I wasn't really... I wasn't really thinking about writing a song when I wrote that song. I was just sort of thinking about life and some, the sometimes struggle of, of uh, staying hopeful. And uh, suddenly I was, you know, in that in a familiar state of mind thinking, oh, this might be a nice melody for that. And and uh, and just launched in and wrote the song. was already in the midst of a lot of writing for Semisonic. We had been doing recordings for a couple of years now, but we did, we did, uh, You're Not Alone in 2018 and 19, and that came out in 2020. And then when I wrote A Little Bit of Sun, it was probably 2021, and we got together um, relatively soon after that and recorded five or six songs, which went, went really, really well. And that was in Minneapolis, and um, kind of gave me a, a boost of, uh, what would you call it, like, initiative or uh, incentive to, 
and maybe write a bunch more songs and, and uh, ended up writing 25 or 30 new songs for the band and recording a whole bunch of them. Grow Your Own happened, um, mo mostly Grow Your Own happened when I was thinking about um, my early uh, performing days in Boston, where I, 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 did, I went to clubs a lot and saw Jonathan Richmond and the Nervous Eaters and Till Tuesday and the Neighborhoods, all, all, the, all the great Boston like post-punk bands, Mission of Burma. At that time, I wasn't really that great of a musician, but I, I knew that I wanted to be one. Do you know what I mean? And that was like the, the idea of like, sooner or later you'll get to grow your own was like, you know, if you love music this much, maybe try making, making your own music too. And that's kind of what the song's about. Yeah, Grow Your Own to me feels almost like a prequel to Basement Tapes from the You're Not Alone EP. Love it. I, that's exactly what it is. Like, Grow Your Own is like the... Um, the first sparks of inspiration in Basement Tapes is like seriously out on the road. Yeah, that's great. So you mentioned 25 to 30 songs that you brought to the band. Yeah. Is there a new EP or a new album in the works? I mean, there's enough um, material for <clears throat> 25 songs, 30 songs. We recorded maybe 20 of them, maybe 22. I'm not exactly sure. And um We've been kind of going back and forth. I think what it is is I think it's like an album and an EP. I think it's got there's a bunch of songs that, that feel hard for us to split apart. And then there's several songs that almost feel like standalone songs. They could kind of go with anybody or anywhere. They're sort of like free agents and maybe those are released afterwards as an EP or something like that. I like that free agents. That's great. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So you are in the midst of the Last Summer on Earth tour with the Bare Naked Ladies. Now, you've played a number of, of one-off shows and charity gigs over the past 20 years, but this is like the first true tour in yeah. 20 years, right? Incredible. It is. It is the first tour in 20 years. So a few shows in. How's it going so far? I mean, super great to get in front of people and play. And uh, first show was... I would say I was pretty stiff and awkward, but it was fun. And uh, and then I think my stiffness and awkwardness may be uh, going down uh, on a downward trend. And the fun is remaining and uh, the band is sounding better and better. And the Bare Naked Ladies and us have, have been basically happy to see each other ever since uh, we um, went on tour together in 1999 or something like that, 2000 maybe. And... Um, we all sort of exuded a kind of a, a dad energy um, back in the day. And then, then we all became dads and it became more appropriate. But even before uh, we were dads, we had a little bit of a dad band kind of energy. So it's all kind of, it's sort of a, a good match. You know, this is the first time touring as a band in 20 years. Have the dynamics changed at all? Well, sadly, no, the dynamics have not changed. <laughs> but the dynamics are not too bad. I think we, we all, um, one of the reasons that, it's funny because when Semisonic stopped touring, it was mostly because my daughter Coco was so compromised medically and I just couldn't be aware. Uh, she had a long, long uh, medical journey, misadventure, whatever you want to call it, throughout her childhood. And um, I just really couldn't tour the way I had thought I, I, thought I could. And um, it was... Uh, you know, it was sort of sad that we that we stopped doing the gigs, but on the other hand, it maybe it was time for a new thing in life. 
Meanwhile, we all remained friends. We all hung out. We all like would, when I went to New York, I'd sleep at Jake's house, and you know, Sean uh, and I, um, our our kids would hang out, and you know, when when we, when my family visited Minneapolis in the summertime. Do you know what I mean? It was just very that. So the dynamic was actually like really pretty sweet, actually, and um, it was really mostly the fact that I think it was because I was writing so many songs with other people. I kind of, I kind of confused myself about how to write a song for Semi Sonic. It just took me a long time to get back to the point where I could write a song that sounded like a like the band. And I didn't really want to write. Uh, I had done several solo albums. I had written for a lot of other artists, you know. And I feel like I didn't want to write a bunch of songs that sounded like Dan solo album songs and then just play them really loud. So. <laughs> I really to me it really had to be like somehow like suited to the band so basically they were like every year john would say so have you written any songs that we could do uh with the band and i would say no no not yet but finally in like 2018 the answer was yes and so here we are in this like strangely unlikely circumstance starting again after a long break so you're coming to Milwaukee this Wednesday. You actually played a show in 2019 at Summerfest. So it hasn't been too long for us. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Um, do you have any favorite memories of coming to Milwaukee or anything that you, you love about coming to the city? Yeah, we always had, um, we, I mean, we had a few misadventures in, in Milwaukee. A couple of run-ins with Milwaukee's finest law enforcement, which later turned out to be uh, uh, imposters who weren't police officers, which was even weirder. Uh, but mostly just good vibes. And uh, we, um, one of the shows we did um, with Trip Shakespeare, not with Semisonic, with Trip Shakespeare, we, we, uh, we had a meeting, strangely enough, with John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. And uh, he flew into Milwaukee to see the band and then pitched, pitched us on coming to England and recording in his castle. And um, being a bunch of DIY, punk rock loving idiots, we said, no, no. We didn't want to come to any castles and record with John Paul Jones later. But we had the funnest night that night hanging out with him. He's, you know, of course he's the most charming person ever. And uh, years later I ran into John Paul Jones again and I said, um, I've always wanted to see you uh, again because I've always wanted to tell you uh, that my band Trip Shakespeare made a big mistake by not recording with you in your in your studio in England. And he said, he didn't miss a beat. He said, I should say you did. <laughs> so that all- Just twist that uh, knife, right? So that, but hanging out with John Paul Jones happened in Milwaukee. So I got a soft spot for that. We did a lot of, we did a lot of really fun shows there. So good vibes overall, except for the time where you had imposter police yeah. arrest you? Or yeah, 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 yeah. What happened? I can't even exactly remember. I just know they, they burst into the, uh, the band's dressing room and started yelling about how we had like illegal drugs and they were going to search us and they were these guys. And then they showed us these police badges and we were like, these, these guys look like such knuckleheads. Are they really cops? And, and the, um. I don't know who rounds them out, but I, I do remember 
that everyone was astonished because I because I because I'm the meekest and mildest person, and I faced them down. I said, "You can't you can't come in and do this. You have no warrants. I don't know who you guys are, but go back and do this the right way, please. Get out of here." And eventually, they left. I wasn't even being a tough guy. I was just like, you know, this is not this is not the way this works, buddy. And so then they were gone. Then we found out later that they were just like fake cops who were terrorizing people around the club. So it's super rude. <laughs> well, I'll need to go through the archives, or maybe you can file a police report while you're in town. Just <laughs> I have a thirty years ago. <laughs> I have a complaint. I need to register. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, in addition to John and Jake, you are joined by Ken Chastain and yeah. Andy Thompson on these live performances. Yes. What's it like having Ken and Andy uh, for the live shows? Oh, super great. We, uh, I don't know when the first time we played with them was, but it, we. We've been doing that for a long time. And um, longer sets, we're doing 45 minutes on, on this tour. Longer sets, sometimes we'll play like four or five songs as a trio. And um, and then Andy and Ken join us. And uh, we call them Candy. Uh, uh, they join us and we do the rest of the show with them. But to be honest, I, I, I really love it when they're on the stage because, you know, I get to stop playing guitar and, just sing and that can be really nice for me. And so, and, and they're both such brilliant musicians and they add so much. So it's been, it's, it's just really, I'm really glad they can do this. On the current tour, is there a song where every, every night you're like, this is my favorite song to perform live? Is it wrong for me to say closing time? No. Closing time is, closing time is a super, super fun song to play live. And the people are always so great. And it just so happens that 2023 is the 25 year anniversary of Feeling Strangely Fine. That's amazing. Can't really quite understand what that means, but it's. Um, I love that album. When we remastered it um, several years ago to put it on vinyl, I listened to it on vinyl for the first time. We didn't have it on vinyl when, when it first came out. And um, so I listened to it on vinyl uh, for the first time. This is probably 2018. And... Uh, I just was so, it just made me so happy. It was it's such a good work of art. And, uh, it, you know, it has hit singles on it, but it's Nick Lawney did a beautiful job producing it. And, and uh, the band plays great. And Bob Clear Mountain mixed it so incredibly beautifully. And it's just all, and it feels kind of, when I listen to it now, like I, I'm very, you know, subjective about it. I don't know for sure. But it, it, the tones on it, the sounds on it, the way it's the way it's organized musically, it just sounds like a band in a room with some extra toys, and and uh, it, the sounds are not dated. They don't sound like oh shit that like that '90s drum sound. They just sound to me. It sounds very um, like a document of the band playing, and it really makes me happy to listen from the the run that followed the release of the album do you have a favorite memory of like you know 98 99 touring the world with it well i remember um a couple things uh when john and jake and i uh first had uh, when, when when closing time had first been released but we really hadn't toured we had been touring the previous year and the year before but um when closing time first came out, we didn't really realize we were in rehearsals and we were like in the van and we were like driving around and doing things and like trying to get our, you know, just trying to 
do some so shows. So he had, we had done some shows and we got to um, the HF Festival, uh, which is in Washington, D.C. It's a radio station festival that they had. And uh, it was held in Kennedy Stadium there, you know, like a huge, like a 70,000 or 60,000 capacity building, you know, it's just insane. And uh, when we got there to play, we kind of peaked peeked off side stage past the stage into the audience and that we weren't you know it was still a couple hours before we were going to play and there were there were probably 30,000 people out there already and then when we came on to play in the mid-afternoon we, we did a short short set and we ended with closing time and we all had the same weird experience first of all everybody sang like this huge crowd sang along to closing time which was a surprise to us because we weren't really well known anywhere except Minneapolis it, it seemed and uh, so, first of all, even hearing this vast sea of people singing was kind of a visceral shock. And then all of us had a strange sensation, and I think it must have been real, <clears throat> that we felt a kind of a warm breeze from the people because they were all because, you know, 50,000 people were singing towards us. And so we we actually felt the the breeze of their voices coming at us, and we all had to almost like do a reality check. Did you feel a slight warm breeze from the audience? And we were all like, "Yeah, I think I did." <laughs> That's the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. It was so cool, but also like, no one tells you about that. And then um, touring in touring in the UK was very gratifying because so many of my favorite bands were from the UK. So you know playing in Dublin to a, a big packed theater full of Irish people shouting things that none of us could understand uh, uh, from, the, from the audience. You know, it was just like a very, it was a real dream. It was a real dream because so many of our favorite groups had come from there. So. Now you mentioned the vinyl release of Feeling Strangely Fine. Any hopes or plans to put out Great Divide or All About Chemistry on vinyl? I would love to do that. I think, um, you know, it's it so depends on the whims of the rights holders. And I guess we got Universal Music Group on a, on a lucky day when we, you know, talk to them about releasing Feeling Strangely Fine on vinyl. And you, you just have to, I don't know, someone in, someone in the back office of those big record companies that own the rights have to be in a good mood on a certain day or decide to do something you know crazy and put out a semi-sonic album on vinyl but it's not unheard of i think it could happen and we'll definitely do vinyl for we'd put vinyl um a vinyl version out of uh on um you're not alone and that sounds really good and we'll, we'll i'm sure we'll do whatever releases are coming up on vinyl too and i'm happy about that because that's i do a lot of my music listening on turntable now at the top we were talking about grow your own and your your days in boston and yeah. you know 2023 is the 25 year anniversary of feeling strangely fine but 2024 is the 40 year anniversary of the love monsters ep <laughs> oh my god wow yes it is the 40th it's the four the, according to your website it's 1984 incredible. so incredible incredible how did uh how did this ep come to be and do you have a favorite song from this oh um kiss away the tears or um 
Rebecca Baby Doll Inspector. Maybe the Rebecca Baby Doll Inspector. These are songs that my brother Matt had written, or I helped him a little bit to write. Um, like Cold Days, I think I helped with the melody. And um, Kiss Away the Tears, he wrote with his roommate, uh, Sam McGavern. Um, but these are songs that, that um, Matt had written so we could start a band, so that we could be in the Battle of the Bands at Harvard. And, and he had this idea that we would win the Battle of the Bands at Harvard because we would wear kind of matching ripped clothing. Like it was all this ripped clothing, but it was all ripped in a very organized way. So it was obviously not authentically ripped clothing. It was actually sort of very organized rip, rippage of clothing. But he had this idea that we were going to um, jo join the, this battle of the bands, which the prize was a day in the studio to record an EP of songs. So uh, we entered the battle of the bands with our eight brand new songs that Matt had written just for the purpose. And we won the battle of the bands to all the other bands annoyance because we had no history. We, we hadn't. We haven't been doing any, you know, anything as, a, as that, that band was just brand new for the purpose of winning the Battle of the Bands. We went to the studio and we re, uh, recorded those four songs that are on the, the Love Monsters EP. So Matt's vision came true. The whole plan went flawlessly. From, from top to bottom. Yeah, yeah. It, from top to bottom. And even the recording turned out really, really well. It's, it's, I would say it has a little bit of a dated snare drum sound, but uh, other than that, I think it's fantastic. I don't even know if anybody has any access to the, the, the um, original tapes. It is what it is now. A friend of mine told me years ago that he had in his, in his music closet, he, he had about 10 copies of the Love Monsters EP in case it becomes valuable one day. But I don't think it has actually. Well, it is to me, <laughs> all right? There we go. Okay, yes, I appreciate that. Hey, I mean, it's 11 in the morning. Were you ever expecting to be bombarded with a Love Monsters question? <laughs> I love that so much. That's probably going to be the best thing that happens to me all day. <laughs> that band was really good because like Tom Copperthwaite later became an electrician. He played the bass, but he really learned to play the bass just to be in the band. It was all from the ground up. It was all built from the ground up. Matt taught everyone their parts. We all just played what he told us. I drum. I was the drummer. So I just did what Matt said. And so we all followed his instructions to our brief um, meteoric rise to glory, actually. So that's why you don't hesitate to criticize the drums on it. Is that is that it, yourself? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I was like, when I was listening back, I was like, how can I stop the guy from doing that to the drums? But I, could, I, I didn't have the language. I didn't know how to stop him. So <laughs> it was what it was. <laughs> Dan, anything else coming up that you wanted to share? Uh, well. I guess, yeah, now that you've reminded me, a little bit of sun comes out today. That's nice. And um, yeah, just this is really, really, I feel like when, when, the, when the guys and I left the rehearsal space in Minneapolis uh, for the last rehearsal for the tour, we stopped in the doorway and I said, you guys, do you realize how unlikely this is? Like, just... Uh, Statistically speaking, nobody gets to do this. And no one gets to do it on the first try to go out on tour and play songs for people. Almost nobody gets to that point. It's just such a lucky break. And, and nobody, nobody, nobody gets to do it 20 years later 
because they felt like starting it up again and seeing what it would be like. That just does not happen. So um, just basically full of a, a, a sense of good fortune and you know amazement that we're even doing this. Well, I'm thrilled to see you guys on Wednesday, and it's been an honor to have you on the show, Dan. Cool. Nice to talk to you, too. Nice to be your guest. Thank you so much to Dan Wilson for being on the show. An absolute pleasure to chat with him. And I am so excited about the prospect of more semisonic music beyond the two new songs, the possibility of an album, an additional EP. Absolutely thrilled to see them on Wednesday at the BMO Pavilion. Tickets available now. If you're going to the show, look for me. I'll be wearing a Trip Shakespeare shirt. Thanks again to Dan Wilson for being on the show. Thank you to his management. Thank you to Tyler Moss of Milwaukee Record for helping coordinate this. And thank you to you for listening to this edition of Host and Guest. Guest.